Praise the Lord, and welcome to the Enduring Sound Doctrine Podcast. I'm your host, Brother Chris Roberts Sr., and before we do anything, let's spark this with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for another day, Lord God. We just thank you for this opportunity to come before you. Lord God, we ask that you open the ears of our heart, Lord God. Lord God, impart wisdom, knowledge, and understanding as we read your word, Father. We know that your word is of no private interpretation, Father, but we reverence your word as the inspired word of God. It comes straight from your mouth. Father, we ask that you fill us up till there's room for nothing else, O God, and that we get more of you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Now, welcome. Thank you again for tuning in. Um, I'm sure this is uh, episode 14, so I'm sure this isn't your first time. But if it is, welcome and thank you. And if it isn't, um, you know the drill. Let's uh, open our Bibles up to the book of Acts, chapter 8. And today's episode is called The Gospel in Action. So the last few podcasts, we've been talking about the gospel, laying in heavy on what the gospel is. But in the word of God, the book of Acts, it picks up right where the gospels of Jesus Christ leave off. And they call it the Acts of the Apostles. And it is rightly so called that. I won't change it up. Other people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's fine. But today, to me, uh, this book is the gospel in action. So again, the, the, the name of the book is apropos. It is Acts. It's action. Uh, they're putting the words of Jesus Christ to action. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, instead of going, uh, we're going to talk about Acts chapter 8. But instead of starting there, let's go back to Luke. Uh, let's go back to the gospel, the book of Luke chapter 22. And you hear me turning pages because I don't have this all uh, pre-set up and bookmarked and all that. I'm turning pages just like you would. And so, um, I'm sorry, not Luke 22, Luke 24, after Jesus is resurrected. So we'll start at verse 45. It says, then he opened, I'm sorry, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So again, this is after Jesus Christ has uh, died on the cross and he resurrected from the dead and he showed himself to many of his apostles, to many people. And he's telling his disciples what to do next. He's saying that according to the scriptures, Christ had to suffer, die and rise again the third day, which already happened. And that now repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, where his main ministry was based and where the disciples were based um, most of them out of. Of course, he came from Galilee, 
but um, Jerusalem was that main uh, city, if you will. So he told them to wait. That's what that word tarry there means. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now let's, um, I don't want to spend too much time breaking that down. Let's, let's go to Acts chapter 1. And so Luke, the writer of the book we just read, of course, uh, also wrote the book of Acts. And he's also addressing it to a man named Theophilus, uh, which means friend of God. So we're going to start at verse 7. And it says, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So here we're reading from Acts. This is, these are Jesus' words talking, and it's kind of echoing what we just read in Luke. Again, Luke is the writer of Acts as well. And he said that ye shall receive power. Remember, he told them to wait until they be endued with power. And we know the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, is when the Holy Ghost pours out on them on the upper room in Jerusalem. And it says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses. Same kind of language that we just read in, in uh, Luke. And it said, both uh, unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And so that latter city, the last city, is what we're going to focus on. Um, because the word of God does not fail. Jesus was not just, you know, saying words just to be saying it. Uh, what he said will stand. He is the word of God. And so if we go to Acts chapter 8, and we'll start at verse 1, and it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. So we start the chapter talking about Saul, who will soon become Paul, and the great martyr, uh, the, you know, one of the first martyrs uh, in the Bible, one of the great martyrs in the Bible, uh, Stephen, was just stoned to death. And Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, uh, had a big hand in his death. He said he was consenting. Um, so he, he really wanted him to die. Um, and that there was persecution against the rest of the saints that were in Israel, that were in Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria, okay? And it said that they were scattered. The Christians were scattered, except for the apostles. They stayed at their home base. Verse 3, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them or committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So the word still had to go forth, regardless of the persecution, regardless of the suffering that they were taking at the hands of Saul and his minions. They still needed to preach the word of God. Then Philip sat down uh, to the city. I'm sorry. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ 
unto them. So now he's in the in Samaria, just like Jesus said would happen in Acts 1 and 8. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and they that were lame were healed. So this um, disciple Philip, this is not the apostle Philip that we see Jesus call in the Gospels. This is the disciple Philip. We just read in verse uh, 1 that the apostles stayed where they were. So this is not the apostle Philip. That's irrelevant. Whether you believe it was the apostle Philip or not does not matter. What does matter is that this Philip was preaching the word and doing the miracles and doing the healings that Jesus said that they that call upon his name, they that believe his name, they that carried his name would do. And he's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repentance and remission of sins are being preached in his name. All right. So again, this is the Acts. These are not decrees. This book is not filled. It, it, it does have them, but it's not filled with decrees. Don't do this. Do that. This is the book uh, that tells us, the only book that tells us the history of the church and what happened when the first Christian church was being formed. So it's very important that we take heed to these words, to those that are newly saved, to those that have yet to experience the uh, rebirth, uh, the born again experience, being born of water and spirit, like Jesus said we had to be. This is the book you read to understand what took place. All right. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in that same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, colon, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man has uh, this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard because of the long time he bewitched them with sorceries. So this man has unnatural abilities. Uh, he's conjuring up spirits and bewitching the people. And they think he's some great man of their God. But when they believe Philip's preaching in the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So here... I want to, uh, I can't stress enough the distinguishing of the acts of believing and baptizing. This is throughout the book. Uh, a lot of people will tell you that baptism, when Jesus said, go ye therefore and baptize, that he meant to make disciples of people. Yes, he did mean that. But he also meant baptize with water. He said, except a man is born of water and spirit. This word baptizing does mean to be immersed, immersed in water. So it doesn't mean to make a statement or declaration of your faith or believing, which are action words, by the way. And there's nowhere in the book of Acts or anywhere where the apostles lay out what this uh, prayer, sinner's prayer, if you will, has to look out, look like. Jesus never said, say these specific words. Yet in churches around this country and around the world, this is what they're doing when they have a call to discipleship, when the disciples themselves never did it. They never did that. They made sure people understood Jesus Christ 
according to the scriptures. And guess what? They didn't have a King James Bible. They could point out Jesus Christ using their Torah. Okay? Because, as we read in Luke, Jesus made that unknown to them. According to the scriptures, he had to suffer, he had to die, and he had to be raised the third day. And so this is the story that Philip is telling them. He's telling them the gospel story to the point that even those possessed with devils want to believe in Jesus Christ. They want to have this Jesus Christ. They want to be in this kingdom. And they were baptized. Now when the apostles, I'm in verse 14. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, colon, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So, Brother Chris, why, why did they need Peter and John to come down if they were already preached to and baptized? Guess what? Because the word doesn't fail. Jesus said you were born of water and spirit. These people were born of water, but not the spirit. It said that they came down so that they might receive the Holy Ghost. In verse 15, they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And so the key part here is the colon. Okay, and then in the King James Version, it's in parentheses. For as yet he, the Holy Ghost, was fallen upon none of them, colon, only, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Only, meaning there's a piece missing. There's a piece missing. Somebody at 5 p.m., well, your time, will ask you, are you hungry? And you'll say, yeah, I'm hungry. I only had breakfast today. Meaning there's something missing from your daily nutrition. There's something missing from your nourishment. You only had breakfast, which implies that you ate at the, in the morning time. Or it was your first meal of the day. So yes, I am hungry. There is something lacking. I've only had one meal today, and that was this morning. Well, they were only baptized in Jesus name. That doesn't mean that it's insignificant. The baptism is necessary. Your breakfast was necessary for you to continue to even get to the five o'clock period. Now, I'm not saying you would die if you didn't eat before five o'clock, but it was necessary. You woke up and said, I'm hungry. I need food. I, I'll eat. These people heard the word and said, and Philip determined they need to be baptized. And we see that nine times throughout this book. Nine times. And this isn't the first instance. I just believe this chapter illustrates um, what still needs to happen today. And uh, so this is the key part of this whole story in Acts chapter 8. They heard the word. They were baptized. But they didn't get the whole experience. They didn't get the whole new birth experience because they were not born of spirit. So they had to send down Peter and John two of Jesus's most trusted disciples, okay? Peter, James, and John were usually the three that rolled with Jesus when he was uh, on uh, one of his uh, top missions, okay? When he went up to the Mount, the Mount Transfiguration, uh, into the garden, Peter, James, and John. And in this case, it's Peter and John. 
And they needed those two apostles to come down to lay hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost because those that believed and were baptized hadn't received it yet. And it says in verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So to me, what's what uh, is key here is that even a sinner, even a sorcerer, even a witch could recognize when the Holy Ghost was filling somebody. Jesus said, wait until you be endued with power from on high. And we know in the Acts chapter two that when that power came, there was Holy Ghost speaking in tongues as the spirit of God gave utterance. And there was a sound. There was a sound. In the same passage that Jesus is teaching Nicodemus about the new birth experience, when he says you must be born of water and spirit, he tells them that there's a sound associated with everyone that is born of spirit. And uh, that's John 3 and 8. He said you hear the wind blowing and you don't know where it comes from. But you see the leaves blowing. You see the leaves moving. You hear the wind. And so there's a sound associated with that spirit birth. And that's how Simon the sorcerer knew that these people got the Holy Ghost when Peter and John laid their hands on them. There was an experience that took place. There was something that happened. God took control of that tiny member the tongue which no man can contain according to James and he changed their glossia he changed their language he gave them a heavenly language and so Simon says in verse 19 saying give me also this power that on whoever I lay on hands I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost but Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast not the gift of God, uh, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, colon, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified, preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem, and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. All right. So we're going to wrap that story up right there. Uh, I want to pick up on the rest of this chapter later, but we're going to stop right there. So you see um, the gospel, the gospel in action. Peter, John, Philip, these apostles were preaching the death, burial and resurrection and changing lives. This has not changed today, folks. I'm a witness. There are still people getting baptized in Jesus' name. Did I skip that verse? Um, no. 
In verse 16, it says, For yet he, the Holy Ghost, was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? So this baptism, you got to have the name Jesus called out during baptism. Don't let anyone tell you different. Jesus, we read that in Luke. Jesus said that himself, that remission of sins, a.k.a. baptism, will be preached in his name. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall. I think this is a good example of that shall versus will. Shall is conditional. Now, I'm not sure what was stopping the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 8 from filling these people once they believed and were baptized. Perhaps it was the sorceries of Simon. But these people had a change of heart, a change of mind, and went down in Jesus' name, the Lord Jesus, according to verse 16. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It was not the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It was the it was the name of Jesus. Matthew 121, Gabriel told Mary that you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. The name Jesus carries that salvation power. It carries that sin remission power. But you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. The book of uh, Galatians uh, chapter 3. Let's just go ahead and read that as we wrap this up. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. It's funny because in this whole chapter, Paul is talking about how important it is to believe. But then he ends it. He ends the chapter. 27 is the towards the end of the chapter. And he says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. The name, the name. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and 12. Philip knew that. Peter knew that. John knew that. All the apostles knew that they were kingdom building here people they were kingdom building the samaritans had not heard this story before they were being bewitched by a sorcerer a witch a warlock if you will but philip preached the gospel of jesus christ and they made the determination that they wanted jesus's salvation they wanted his name they wanted their sins washed away. I don't want to get into, you know, the reasons why people are not baptized in Jesus' name. But the Bible gives, from Genesis to Revelation, gives plenty of evidence that the name of Jesus is the name you need at baptism. The name of Jesus is the only name that saves. The name of Jesus The Bible is the story of Jesus Christ. Everything in the word points to Jesus Christ. 
and he came, he suffered, bled, and died for you, for me, for everyone. We're in a global pandemic now. Uh, it's resurging, particularly in the southern United States. And at the same time, we've been in a sin pandemic since the creation of man. Read Romans chapter 5. Adam, the first man, brought sin into this world, but the last Adam eradicated sin through death. But we know the wages of sin are, is death. But Jesus, Jesus is that cure. Jesus is that vaccine. He's the vaccine. And he has 100% immunity. If you have the name of Christ, like we just read in Galatians, you have 100% immunity from sin. You will not see death. You will have everlasting life. And that's what I want to encourage you tonight. Stay in the word, get the name of Christ, and you can be free. Father God, we just thank you, Lord God, for another opportunity. Lord God, we ask that you bless this word that we have heard. Lord God, hide it in our hearts. Let it fall on good ground, Father. And we'll forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you. Good night.